Welcome back to Balding and Bearded on Yuck, so excited to be back for this very special edition where it's not just the return of Balding and Bearded, but the return of the NBA. And in today's episode, we're going to do something very special and walk you through the most exciting scenario proposed for the NBA's return. Um, do you mean exciting or do you mean crazy? I mean exciting. Uh, you know, honestly, I think crazy is in the eye of the beholder <laughs> in a certain way. Um, but as we're, we're going to get into a lot of the details as to kind of what what some of this proposal is. But, you know, uh, what we're going to be really talking about today is... Um, is is this group stage idea, which we'll, we'll we'll really get into, and I think one of the things to emphasize just right up front is it's not crazy. This is what this is what they do in the biggest sporting event in the entire world, the World Cup, right? This is this is this is a tried and true method they've seen in other sports. So it's not something that the NBA is just inventing. Uh, they're just taking an innovation in one sport and using it for a lot of good reasons uh, uh, with the NBA here today. You liberals are always looking abroad for ideas. Okay, let's go through the. Give us the uh, summarize this product in like in a, one yeah. minute. So let, let, let let's give a little bit of a background, right? Uh, the we we've got this global pandemic, obviously, uh, and so I think the a lot of the proposals of how you're going to be able to uh, finish this season have all revolved around some level of a bubble plan, right? Everyone comes and lives in a certain place with all of the support staff needed. Uh, and you play all the games in one location so as to limit any effects of the virus. Um, the pro- That sounds like a sports-related horror. I, there are a number of scripts which are going to get out there for with just this exact conceit, which is exciting. Um, so, so hopefully it doesn't turn into a horror movie, um, and we should really knock on wood because uh, that is, it, it, it is a scenario we actually have to mitigate against. Um, but with that all said, we're looking at a really unique, um, situation here and with a unique situation, um, kind of in this bubble, which is tentatively they're in negotiations right now, uh, uh, looking at Orlando as a potential site for that. Um, how do you then resume? Right. And, and of course the, 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 you know, there's a lot of variables here. Do you play any regular season games? Do you go straight to the playoffs? If you go straight to the playoffs, do you just hold a traditional format where you're doing uh, one to eight in each conference and you just go from there? So there's a number of ideas that Adam Silver and the league are considering right now. But there is one idea they are considering that is clearly superior to the rest, and that is the group stage idea. So, David, maybe you want to walk us through what is this group stage idea and why do we love it so much? So the group stage idea is we're going to have, they put the top 20 teams in the league based on win percentage into different tiers. And they'll have four groups of five teams. And then you'll play each team a number of times, whether it's two, three, or four, they haven't worked out because this is the most vague of proposals. It's not even a proposal yet. This is like an idea they're floating out there. And um, the idea is that the next, the top two teams from each group will advance to an 18 playoff and then it'd work just like the NBA playoffs. And 
Is that a fair yeah, summary? I, I think it's great. I think the the number I've heard it has been two games so far, but I've heard from not my conversations with league executives, but from uh, from news reports. So we're looking at you know at a minimum those two games, and just for context, and I think this is an important data point. Um, you know, in a traditional first round of the playoffs, which this would essentially be taking the place off place of, you would usually have. Um, you know, somewhere around, let's say, 40 to 50 or mid-50s of games in total in the first round. Um, if you moved into this type of proposal where you have each team playing each other team two games within their groups, I believe you'd get somewhere close to about 80 games in total. You'd get 80 games. I think there should be three games just because you could have one point for each game you win plus one point for winning the series, which will potentially give you up to four. Um so just put a little bit of high stakes. Anyway, I love this plan. I mean, I know it seemed a little bit grumpy <laughs> earlier, but the caffeine's about to kick in. And really, like, so the first virtue I see is that there's a warm-up for the playoffs because players are going to be rusty as all get out. Very few players have their home mm-hmm. gyms. So, you know, Giannis is running around the neighborhood doing push-ups. Like, that is not good preparation for the playoffs for your MVP. Um so both playoff teams and non-playoff teams, like there's like if you had a play-in tournament, we had an equal footy, we'd have the same number of games to warm up for that eight-team season. Um, the regular season wouldn't be wiped away. The regular season would matter and matter a lot um, because you'd make sure it's balanced. And then when you seeded it, you'd have like the Bucks would be the first seed and the Lakers probably the second seed. But it'd be keeping the integrity of the regular season. Um, every game will matter, right? This is just like the World Cup where it doesn't matter if it's like Poland versus Saudi Arabia. How you perform in that game is going to dictate whether you move on or some other team moves on, which is going to generate a lot of interest. And this could be super important because they're going to be playing in empty gyms, right? Where basically, you won't get the crowd noise when LeBron James goes in for a dunk. In fact, why would he put that extra mustard on the dunk when he could just lay it up? You know, I, I think it's, the games are going to feel pretty sterile. So anything you can do mm-hmm. to ramp up interest is going to help a lot. Um, it's going to generate a lot of games, right? Because as you said, even just two games would be 80, um, 80 games. If you played three, that'd be 120 games, which would help satisfy TV contracts, right? So just the playoffs alone, about $900 million, worth of uh, basketball-related income that can be spread around. So trying to make sure that you can satisfy the TV contract is essential for both the teams and the players, and especially the small market teams where the few that aren't owned by people worth several billion dollars are going to struggle to make payroll, and they might have to sell out to Silicon Valley billionaires, um, which I guess describes most of the owners of the NBA now. So yeah, just speed it up. Um, it all, Yep. It also um, makes contract tracing a lot easier, right? Because you'll be playing the same set of teams where if you have scattered it around, you don't know who people are playing. Um, You could even put them in separate places to make it somewhat safer because Disney World actually is opening up, not just the NBA, but they have, you know, this big disclaimer, like appropriate risk. So you could probably find places to shelter like casinos around the country with appropriate venues and make it small and, and minimize the risk of spreading. The downsides I've heard, and I really will bro- 
no downsides to this plan because I think it's just it's a brilliant plan. It, it is it is objectively a brilliant plan. Right. But yes, let's let's hear some of the the downsides before we kind of get into the conceit of this show. Right. So the, the, the two I've heard, one is that there'll be an asterisk attached to this thing, and there are already been asterisks. The season was canceled due to a pandemic, which caused a global economic collapse, over a hundred thousand deaths in the U.S. Like, I think if anything, this will just make it a little bit more special. I, I'm not at all concerned with that. And, um, you know, the top teams may not make it out. And, you know, that's possible anyway. They could always lose, right? I mean, I'm at an age where I remember the top-seeded uh, Supersonics losing to Decatur <laughs> and the Denver uh, Nuggets. Or uh, Don Nelson's Warriors defeated um, the top-seeded Mavericks, uh, sort of in a revenge game. So that could always happen in... If you can't win, you don't deserve to be in there. And this generates the most fan interest. I don't care what makes sense from the owner's point of view. I, I think this is what's going to get eyeballs. Yeah, and you know, let's let's be let's be frank here. Um, you know, we are huge NBA fans. Obviously, we ha- we are doing a podcast about the NBA. At the same time, the one kind of looming weakness, in my opinion, of the NBA is the lack of uncertainty. Um, you know, what, once you hit the playoffs, you know, round one has very little drama. And last year in the playoffs, we saw very few series going to a game six or a game seven. So creating um, a format that brings in a little bit more uncertainty uh, makes it a little bit less, you know, a fait accompli that the best teams are just going to waltz into to the finals. Uh, or you can basically just tune in once you hit the conference finals. Um, that's good for the league as a whole. So what are we going to do today? So we are um, really excited about this group stage idea. There are two ways this group stage idea can work. Okay. Um, so one way is basically that there would just be a random draw. So there's a, there are four teams in each of five tiers basically is, is how it would work. You draw out of a hat and a team from tier one, a team from tier two, tier three, tier four, tier five, all get put into a group randomly. And that, as someone who does survey research, I do not want a representative sample of those top twenty teams. I want something well, better. Well, there that. is a better option than that. While a random draw is fun, and, and again, some people have worried. You know, similar to in in the World Cup, you know, random that random chance could you could result in a group of death, right? A a, a group where the teams are a little bit uneven. One group is a little bit stronger than the others. So let's put let's take let's take fate out of this. Let's put it in the hands of the teams that have earned it this year. The other idea that has been put out there has been to actually take the tier one teams and have them draft all of the other teams. So what does that mean? That means that we'll have the teams in tier one. So so to clarify which teams are in each tier, this is all done by regular season record. So tier one is the Milwaukee Bucks. But the best best uh, season in the NBA last year, uh, or I guess this year, <laughs> we're still in the same year. Who can count? Uh, the Los Angeles Lakers, the Toronto Raptors, and the Los Angeles Clippers. Those are the four top teams in the league, according to record. And those would be the four teams in, in, in kind of how we're going to do this show today that have the chance to draft who is going to be in their group. David, why is this such a fun idea? Because you get strategy, you get hate drafting, there'll be drama. I mean, think about it. No one really cared about the All-Star game 
like who's on the team, but people would tune in to watch LeBron and Giannis draft teams, like who are they going to pick and why. So I think it would really amp up the drama and you'd have teams taking personal slights like, oh, you want us in your group? It's on. Yeah, it's, I mean, there are, there's so much drama that can come from this. Um, so what we're going to do today is we're going to, we're going to, we're going to kind of um, make some decisions on how this would work. Uh, what we're going to do is we're going to split up these tier one teams. So I'll take the Eastern conference teams, the Bucks and the Raptors. I'll give you the Los Angeles, uh, the, the, the Los Angeles teams. Um, and we'll dive in from there in drafting in the tiers. Now, what will happen is uh, we'll have the option for each team to draft any other team that's in this top 20 group, any, any other team that's, that's in tier two, three, four, or five into their group for the group stage. Once you've drafted a team from, let's say, tier four, that means that you've got your tier four team. You're done, right? And so now you only have to select a team from tier two, three, and five after that. So instead of it going sequentially, you draft a team from tier two and then three and then four and then five. We're actually going to do it where you can look in any tier and find where is the advantage, where is the team that we want to target um, or vice versa, right? Where's the group, who are the teams we want to avoid and make sure that we lock ourselves into an easier matchup in that tier. So that's how we're going to, that's how we're going to run things. Um, Very quickly for the listeners out there, who are who who is in what tier so uh as we mentioned the bucks lakers raptors clippers that is our tier one so the next tier in tier two and again this is all by uh record the celtics the denver nuggets the utah jazz and the miami heat form tier two tier three is the oklahoma city thunder the houston rockets the indiana pacers and the Philadelphia 76ers. Tier four is the Dallas Mavericks, the Memphis Grizzlies, the the Brooklyn Nets, almost said the New Jersey Nets there, the Brooklyn Nets, the Orlando Magic, and then, of course, tier five is the Portland Trail Blazers, the New Orleans Pelicans, the Sacramento Kings, the San Antonio Spurs. All right. So so that's what we're going to do. We're putting on our GM caps now. Uh, Bucks and Raptors, Lakers, Clippers. Before we before we dive in, David, you're a GM, and 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 we're 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 doing this for real. What you know, you're a GM. What's your what's your strategy and how you're looking at the board right now? Um, and and and, and thinking about the teams you want to select into your group. So the optimal strategy, just from getting out of there. Um, standpoint would be to find the tiers with an obvious best team and an obvious worst team and picking out of those teams tiers first like so for instance i think in tier three i might want to avoid the sixers a lot because they're big i don't want to face a healthy rested joel Embiid. and meanwhile the pacers and thunder maybe a little bit weaker Mm -hmm. right or in the fifth tier with Nurkic coming back, um, I'm not sure I want to face the Trailblazers, and the Pelicans are young and they'll have a healthy Zion. So I, I, I'm tier five. Like, but you want to find those, and if there's only one, say, good team, you can afford to wait a few rounds and hope there's not a run in that round. 
So you can actually use a lot of strategy. In, in so we're going to, we're going to dive into choosing uh, uh, very shortly, but of course, you know, and, and we'll be able to, I think, to talk a lot about the different teams that are going to be a part of the playoffs. So, so even if this doesn't end up, th- this does not end up as the direction the NBA goes in, a lot of the analysis we're going to talk about, will be able to port over very easily um, into, in, into whatever playoffs they do. So let's talk, just start at the top with these tier one teams who are going to be selecting here. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, you know, they, I, I think a lot of folks are sleeping on them. You know, they have a very um, similar team in many ways to, to what they had last year. Um, they have the MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. Um, but I don't think that the average NBA fan has the level of respect for the Milwaukee Bucks and probably for Giannis as well that they should uh, make the case for why the Milwaukee Bucks are the title favorites right now. They have the MVP of the league. They play awesome defense across the board. They have shooting in every position except for the MVP, but he can get to the rack anytime he wants to. Um, they have played together. I think their only major loss was uh, Malcolm Brogdon. So I think um, the Bucks would probably be the title favorites unless the betting. Yeah, I, and and I just I think for context, you know, people are are still sleeping on how special of a season Giannis had. Uh, so in the history of basketball, there have been three players that have ended a season with a higher player efficiency rating, PER, than Giannis this season. Those three players, Wilt Chamberlain, Michael Jordan, and LeBron James. And that's it. (laughs) No one else has had a season where they've had a higher PER than Giannis. Those Those three players, three of the top, you know, five or six players of all time, and no one else has done that. So he he is having an historic, historically good season. Um, And you surround him with uh, people who know their role, people who complement his skill set. Um, they, they have been, they have just been incredible this year. Um, and, and again, it really still feels like people are sleeping on the Bucks uh, coming out of the East um, just because of, you know, hey, the first time they got to that stage last year, um, they weren't able to, to, to beat what, who ended up being the, the, the champion of the league. So um, I'm, feeling, I'm feeling very good about being the GM of the Bucks. For this draft um, and I'll go ahead and um, as we go through kind of each tier one team we'll, we'll kind of make our first selections here as the Milwaukee Bucks I'm looking at the board and I feel like you know listen we're going to unfortunately not get to play the Orlando Magic in the first round who are relatively who are a relatively weak team I'm gonna I'm gonna go one step further and see if I can find an even weaker team on this board and I can that's going to be the Sacramento Kings. And that'll be my first pick here in tier five. We're locking in the Sacramento Kings are in the Milwaukee Bucks's group. Um, and I'm feeling very, very good about this. I, I think the, the Kings have a lot of young talent, uh, but they're severely overmatched. They had a pretty poor season. They ended eight games under 500 um, and really were never able to put together some of the magic they had last year. Um, and so, for that reason, if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I find the weakest team on the board, throw them in my group, and feel very confident that we're going to be able to handle them in the two games we play them. So you don't have faith in Fox and don't think he can lead them into... Um, I don't know if I... I don't know if I would say I don't have faith in De'Aaron Fox. Uh, I think it's more fair to say I don't have faith in the entire 
team and organization <laughs> as a whole. Um, and so while there are some individually talented players, um, you know, <laughs> I, I would feel very confident that over, over the course of eight games, uh, that team uh, wouldn't be able to, to, to perform at that level. Um, you know, yes, they might be getting Marvin Bagley back uh, and a little bit uh, healthier, uh, but again, a lot of these players who in two to three years could be, you know, real talents in the league, um, the, the team's just not there yet. And I think they proved this. They regressed this season, uh, which I think for a lot of Kings fans was disappointing, although that just seems uh, redundant to say at this point. Yeah, no, I, mean, I think you could insert that analysis in pretty much every Kings season since they traded Oscar Robertson and outside of those four years. The Weber but, years. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, Weber debug. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah that, 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 that is a uh, solid pick. Okay. So I'm picking next for LeBron James and the Lakers, um, a team that is definitely the definition of top heavy, where you've got number two in MVP voting and Anthony Davis, who is certainly one of the. Yeah. Well, well, five, five is easy. Five, I think, I think we're good with five top five players. Okay, yeah, I want to hedge my bets a little bit because I'm a very cautious GM, and you got to keep uh, LeBron happy. Um, and their season was better than most people expected. You got a version of LeBron where he was clearly dialed in. I think he was thinking this might be one of my last really good seasons. Let's remind people why I have the nickname the King. And um, I think most people thought like it was it had the sense that like they seemed a little bit vulnerable because they were so shallow in the bench and it was so dominant uh, depending on two players um albeit two all-time greats that they were a little bit worried um so you know i I, I watched a lot of lakers games this season and i too was a little bit skeptical that such a top heavy roster. I mean, I mean the, the top two players they have are incredible. Um, but you know, that, you know, we've seen this throughout NBA history. You can have two great players. You need a lot of the other pieces to really fit together. And a lot of the pieces that were supposed to fit together, uh, were, were not people who have historically been great role players. I mean, you do have folks like Danny green who would fit that role, but you have a lot of, you know, Dwight Howard's you're relying on, JaVale McGee's who's who's shown it at times, but at other times it's not. Uh, played really Howard well. Played well that's the year, thing. So, that's the surprising mean, thing, right, is that they ended up putting together uh, a really yeah. great season. And, and I think probably the most impressive part of that season is that they finished um, third in the league in defense. And, um, you know, for, you know, An- we know Anthony Davis is an elite defender. We know LeBron James uh, has been an elite defender in the league, probably is no longer there. Um, but to, to piece together a team defense like that, I, I give a lot of credit to Frank Vogel, who I think, um, you know, people came into the year um, with a lot of question marks about. Um, but his, you know, being able to put together a top three defense is the reason that the Lakers ended up with a 49 and 14 record. Yep. Um, yeah, no, Vogel did a good job and getting LeBron to buy into it makes sense. So I have a special pick that the Lakers really, really want to face in their bracket. But I think we could put that off for just another round or two and be a little bit strategic. And with their first pick, the Los Angeles Lakers are going to select Ooh, the Memphis Clippers. And the reason, 
the reason why they're doing this is because LeBron James is effectively the GM of this team. And he had to sit through two months of people talking about how great Jordan is, the true greatest of all time. And he wants to remind people of that. And if he has a game against the Nets or the Magic, who are arguably worse teams than the Grizzlies, they won't get eyeballs. But Job Morant will get eyeballs. You'll have two of the most athletic players going at it, albeit with different um, positions. I think people would tune in for that. So they have the good combination of you'll want to see them, but you'll safely beat them because, I mean, John Morant and um, Jaron Jackson aren't very old. They're not very experienced. Mm-hmm. did get swept during a normal series, so they don't really pose a threat. Yeah, you know, I mean, I think that um... – you know the Grizzlies had a had a really fun season. This is this is they they are they are the opposite of I think what the Kings had done this year, where they've got young talent. They've got they've I mean Jaron Jackson uh, Jr. is looking um, uh, like he's going to be a really really good NBA player. Uh, John Morant, uh, you know he he reminds me a lot of Russell Westbrook in in, in certain respects um, in terms of how he approaches the game. I, I I wouldn't say he's a perfect comp, but I mean when people are thinking about what's his ceiling there, I mean I think that he could be, you know he has a ceiling of a top ten player in the league, um, and you know that's uh, I'm not saying he'll get there, but he certainly showed and flashed that promise this year. Um, and when you can have a rookie season that that kind of shows that, that's great. But He's not there yet. That team isn't there yet. I think it's a great pick for the Lakers. All Toronto right, Raptors. So well, first and foremost, let me just say the, the Toronto Raptors, uh, it's t- it, <laughs> they are the defending champions and they get no respect, right? Uh, they ended the they ended the season. Well, when well, you lose listen, your best player, you know, at the end of the day, happens. we're looking at results on the court and they ended up, I mean, it's probably surprising when people realize uh, they are the third best team in the league in terms of uh, win loss record. They ended the season um, at 46 and 18. That puts them with the third best record in the league. Um, and, you know, they did it uh, with a lot of the same ingredients that they were working with last year, minus Kawhi Leonard. Those shots got redistributed uh, to Pascal Siakam. Uh, those shots ended up in the hands of, you know, folks like Fred Van Fleet, uh, who ended up with a with a bigger role this year. Um, and you saw the emergence of, of even some role players like Norm Powell and, uh, and others who have kind of taken a little bit of a step up. Yeah, it was a remarkable turnaround. And it was nice to see everyone sort of dig in like, yeah, we lost Leonard. Let's go back to work. Um, it was a fantastic season they put together and they showed the value of teamwork. Like there was no one dominant player on that team and they passed the ball around and they were solid. Now with that said, I am skeptical that the Toronto Raptors are going to be able to perform at the same level as a lot of these other tier one teams. I think that it is increasingly important that they have a really uh, a, a group that matches up well for them. Um, because they just don't have the same top-end talent as the Bucks, Lakers, or Clippers. And for that reason, I am starting off their draft by picking in Tier 5 and going after, hold my breath, the San Antonio Spurs. Ooh, you're going to put them up against a veteran squad that admittedly underperformed, but they've still got you know, DeRozan and... Um, LaMarcus Aldridge 
and players who know the system and just never quite hit the gear. But if I was going to count on any team coming out of two months or layoff. Yeah, uh, you could say that. I mean, there there are a few different factors here. I mean, number one, let's make this fun, right? You know, Raptors, Raptors, Spurs, having DeRozan with the grudge match. I mean, that's going to be a lot of fun to watch. But, um, But if you think about it, you know, if you're looking in tier five now, there's three teams left, the Trailblazers, Pelicans, and Spurs. And I, as the Raptors, want no part of Damian Lillard. Um, you know, there's a there's an old saying. I mean, you really don't want to have the best. You don't want to be facing the best player on the floor uh, in a in a in a you know your tier five matchup. Um, and with the Trailblazers and potentially the Pelicans as well, that could be the case. Um, Damian Lillard's clearly a tier above. Um, you know what a Pascal Siakam or Kyle Lowry can can produce for you on any given night. Uh, Damian Lillard's a top ten player in this league, and with a health healthy uh, Yusuf Nurkic, um, with you know um, uh, Zach Collins, uh, CJ McCollum, uh, you know, uh, not even to mention Carmelo Anthony. Uh, <laughs> uh, you know, they, there's. There's a lot of talent on the Trailblazers, and I and I really worry, especially for a team that went to the conference finals. Um, you know that you, you that's not who you want to pull in kind of the tier five bucket. Uh, and then the New Orleans Pelicans, you know, Zion Williamson has has been tremendous, uh, and he's 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 only on the rise. His body's probably only getting in better and better shape. If he has done what he needs to do during um, you know the past few months and keeping his body uh, kind of ready to go. Uh, I, I think that they are one of the more dangerous teams in tier five. And, and you can look at a lot of the advanced statistics to, to see that backed up. I mean, if you look at new Orleans um, right now, they're actually the 14th um, team in the league in terms of uh, their adjusted point differential, um, which puts them, you know, kind of into closer to a range of some of the tier three teams than a tier five team. So if you look at all that together, put all that together and you look at where San Antonio is in terms of their adjusted point differential, they're the second weakest team in this bracket. Um, they have a negative 1.4 point differential. Um, San Antonio this year has just not been the same. Um, you know, I mean, I have all the respect in the world for Greg Popovich, uh, but you have a beyond their prime LaMarcus Aldridge, beyond their prime DeMar DeRozan, um, and a lot of other players who who kind of fit somewhere between a beyond their prime veteran uh, and a a promising young player who has not fully capitalized on that promise yet. Uh, they haven't been able to put it together. They ended the season with a twenty seven and thirty six record. Uh, you got to find the weak teams in the bracket, and um, not wanting a part of the Trailblazers or Pelicans, I'm I'm picking the San Antonio Spurs here. No, oh, that makes a lot of sense. So the Clippers had an interesting season where they, when they were all together on the floor, they looked like an elite team. Like when you had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard flying around, it was hard to score on them and they could put points on the board anytime they wanted. But because of injuries to George and Kawhi having rested himself, so as not to injure himself, they were not on the floor all that often during the season. So I think actually they're, you know, they have the fourth best record in the league, but they're probably closer to, you know, one of the top two or three teams, right? I mean, I, I think I might even pick them to, to beat the Lakers in the head-to-head matchup because once you have George and Leonard, yeah, um, good luck trying to score on them, right? And then they've got complementary role players. Up yeah, they, I the mean, the, the, the talent on the Clippers speaks for itself, but, you know, it really is uh, – 
a, a testament to that team, I think, and in the, in their depth that they've still been able to piece. I mean, you know, we, we shouldn't overlook the fact that they did end up with the fourth, fourth best record in the league, despite a lot of turnover in terms of, you know, kind of their rotation on a night-to-night basis. So they ended up at a 44-20 and 20 record, uh, the fourth best point differential in the league. Um, and in particular, they had a, you know, a top five offense and defense. So that, you know, kind of signals, you know, really that balance there. They're able to score at a really elite level. And I think in particular, one thing that might surprise folks is they got to the, they had the number one free throw rate in the league. And I think that in particular has, you know, kind of creates that consistency in their offense that put them at uh, number two in the league this year. Yeah. Um, so I, I think they're outstanding, but given the strength of their perimeter defense and having two elite defenders with the first pick of the group play and um, NBA pandemic draft, the Houston Rockets, the Houston bringing Rockets. down the wrath of James Harden. So, and, so, so you pick the Rockets right. in a tier, tier three, that also has the Oklahoma City Thunder in it. So explain to me, and the Indiana Pacers. So you just picked James Hart. You picked two two former MVPs. The 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 individual who has the um, highest point per game average by about four points in the league. Uh, a team that just for two years ago was in the conference, or a few years ago was in the conference finals. I uh, was seen as kind of the one team that could beat the Golden State Warriors, and you're picking them over the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Indiana Pacers in Tier Three. Explain the GM's thinking of the Los Angeles Clippers. So I wanted to avoid the Sixers, right, for, first and foremost, because Joel Embiid scares me. Um, and the Clippers don't really have a good answer for him at center. And then I was going to go for the team with the one player you could probably shut down, right? Given, And I think Leonard and George can slow Harden down or decide that we'll let Harden get his points and we'll stop everyone else. So I think the Rockets are so much of a one-man band that the Clippers can easily game plan for them and won't pose much of a problem. Because the Rockets, unlike past years, like I think people had started to figure them out. And replacing uh, Chris Paul with Russell Westbrook took away some outside shooting, which was sorely needed. I mean, really, the entire Rockets offense consisted of James Harden dribble, dribble, dribble. Well, or or Russell Westbrook shot. dribble, dribble, dribble. And I th- near the end of the season. Russell Westbrook started to figure out how to fit into the office, or more to the point, um, Dan and Tony started to figure out how to incorporate Russell Westbrook into it by getting him getting the ball in motion so he can drive to the hoop more. Um, but I think that only started to click in the last few weeks, and after you know a couple months off, they'll be gone. And so it'll be really back to there's one focal point to this offense, and that's easy to game plan for. So the Clippers can get the benefit of a little bit of a grudge match with, with uh, Harden. Yeah, you know, and, I mean, I think that um, avoid you, the you, you always have to look at matchups in the playoffs. And the one thing that you clearly identified, I think the Clippers match up really well with the Rockets. So the Rockets in the middle of the season trade Clint Capella to the Atlanta Hawks, uh, a, a, a pretty good center in the league um, with the intention of 
really downsizing um, and bringing in Robert Covington and going all in on, on, you know, what you could call small ball. And I, and I think really the way to frame it is, you know, listen, if we're going to win a championship this year, we need to kind of take a flyer. Right. And, uh, and this might be a strategy that works. So to match up with them, if you're matching up with their game, you really need a lot of wings who can stay with Harden, who can stay with Westbrook and use their size to really bother them. And that's that's fits the Clippers to a T. So I think I think it's actually really a really smart pick uh, in that tier. Well, let's. Uh, so yeah, oh, why, why, why thank you, Ryan. We're so, done with round one. We've got we've got four picks. We're off done with board. round one. Um, so I think uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, by virtue of having the best record in the league, um, they get to pick again. They get they get another uh, shot at the apple here. So a um, lot mm-hmm. of lot of interesting teams on the board here. Um, if I'm the Milwaukee Bucks, I'm going after uh, in tier four the Orlando Magic. Um, the Magic are the current team that Milwaukee will be facing if we just run the playoffs as we would normally uh, normally run it back. Um, and you, there's just not a lot of things that should scare a team like the Milwaukee Bucks on the Magic. Um, They've, I mean, it, it is a it is a middling franchise in, in every sense of the word. They don't have the top end talent uh, on their roster. Um, I'd be very surprised if they won a game against the Milwaukee Bucks when the Bucks are locked into the playoffs. Uh, if they end up facing each other in a first round series, uh, I'd predict a four game sweep from the Bucks uh, in this type of format. I think now, if you're the Milwaukee Bucks, you have two teams that you know you can outclass and out talent in a significant way. Um, significantly increasing your chances of yeah, no, on. I agree completely. The, I mean, the Magic are in that another world of the NBA where you're good enough to make the playoffs in the East, and maybe you'd have sniffed the playoffs in the West, but you're not good enough. Maybe, <laughs> maybe in balanced conferences. So you're left with, you know, we're not, we're too good to get a good lottery pick, and short of like dismantling it, trying to tank. Uh, you're stuck and that's sort of where they are in part because they haven't drafted well but they haven't really drafted poorly either it's not like you can point to anyone and say oh well, that person was a bust like Noah Vondley might be the closest you can come well right? I mean but he's a serviceable NBA player give give it a few years give it a few years I'm sure we'll have a few busts in there yeah I mean like Aaron Gordon's a nice player and and you know I, I just think that you know with with, with that many bites of the apple you gotta you gotta you gotta you know, have one draft pick that really, really pops. And, and they just amazing, haven't been able though. to like, do For somehow, the, in an era with positionless basketball, where tweener has more or less disappeared from the lexicon, like, you know, Draymond Green wouldn't have been too small to play power forward, but they have him playing, you know, power forward and center in the Golden State. They still get Aaron Gordon. He's kind of a tweener, right? He's not really playing power forward much try to keep on showing up to the small forward. There's something wrong with how they're managing that team, either through drafting or um, putting players in positions to win. Yeah. Well, and they've had, had a lot of front office turnover as well, which I'm sure doesn't, doesn't really help there, but um, you know, that, that, that's a team I think, you know, we don't have to do too much analysis on in general because uh, in any playoff format that I would be shocked if they really went anywhere. I just don't, I think they're one of the weakest teams in this field. So the bucks are very happy. They've got the magic. They've got the Kings. Uh, they're, they're yeah. feeling pretty good right now. So um, 
the Lakers, with their second pick, are going to take the opposite tact of the Bucks because the Bucks are cowards. And LeBron James wants to show who the real MVP is. Like, they're dodging people. LeBron James wants the New Orleans Pelicans and will pick them. Wow. Wow. So, so is so is this so is this a pick to avoid the Trailblazers, or is it a pick because you actually, uh, you know, you you want to just beat up on I all think, the rookies? Like, the there's league. a new generation of talent. Let's show them who's better than anyone else. So when you have that LeBron James, <laughs> you know, retrospective on ESPN in 20 years, people will say like, "Wow, look at all those all-time greats! How they got completely schooled by LeBron James." He's thinking about that documentary in 20 years right now. I'm not sure if there is a is a matchup um, in from from a tier one team playing any other team in this league that I would much rather see than exactly. Than Zion. I that's will what, that will be appointment viewing. Appointment viewing, and that's what everyone wants to see. Yeah, Give the people and, what they want. And, Tony, and, and Davis is going to come back and to his old team, and it's going to be Anthony Davis is going to be great back there. He's going to have a fire under him, and hopefully that'll. Be be lit for the entire playoffs because he's going to show him like, yeah, I'm better than those three people you gave up. Meanwhile, the Pelicans, they were missing Zion for the first bit of the season, but once they got him back, they looked like a top-tier team. They are deep with young talent, minus Holiday, who is still one of the better point guards of the year and a tenacious defender. So this is kind of a scary yeah. matchup, but this is LeBron James saying we were the second-best team in the league. We could handle these rookies and let's make everything as exciting as possible. We're showtime. All right. Well, I like it. I love the strategy. Um, I will, that will certainly be appointment viewing. Um, so for the Toronto Raptors, um, I am going to now select, uh, and again, we're, we're starting with some of these bottom feeder teams. It's a little bit boring, but um, you know, there's, there's a clear, there's a clear pick here. Uh, and it's to take on the Brooklyn Nets in tier four. Um, and this is unabashedly a pick to avoid the Dallas Mavericks in tier four. Um, uh, <laughs> do, should we talk about the Mavericks now or should we hold them until the, the Clippers uh, are, well, I guess the Clippers are forced to take them at this point because that is the last team in tier four. So I think the Clippers, not that they have to choose them right now, but they will automatically get the Dallas Mavericks right. at the end of this. Um, so, so let's start with the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, you know, listen, there's, of course, the question mark as to whether Kyrie plays. Um, and I don't think there's much of a question mark about Kevin Durant. Kevin no, Durant no is not playing, playing yeah. in the playoffs. Um, so so I think that, that there was a little bit of a sense of, you know, how, how would how would how would that happen? Would he, you know, be fully yield? Kevin Durant's not coming back for the playoffs. Especially, you know, that we and we and we saw, you know, it's funny. Watching the last dance, you saw what happens when a, a, a historically great player tries to come back just in time for the playoffs. Uh, it, it's really hard having not run a full season, especially a full season with a completely new team, um, and then jumping into um, this incredibly unique and challenging environment. Uh, you're not setting your, your franchise player up for success there. I, I would be really surprised. Uh, if they were to do that, um, even if he is healthy enough to yeah, play, there's not a chance. And do you care if Kyrie plays? I mean, I don't. Uh, no, no. I yeah. I think in either case, you know, the Nets. Even if Kyrie does play, if he doesn't play, in fact, you can argue the Nets were playing better Much even better. without Kyrie. It, it 
Yeah. Turns out but, having a um, divisive ball hog that takes low percentage shots is not good for your team. The Nets had the Nets had a a, a pretty poor year, um, but again, a real asterisk on this year, more so than than the other asterisks we're putting. They essentially on this year. gave themselves a uh, bye year, right? And but yeah. the fact that they played poorly with Kyrie, that Kyrie got injured, so then they played, you know, fine without him, like well enough to limp into the playoffs. Yeah, like, that's a great pick. Yeah. The, the, pro- the promising thing I think about the the next season more than anything else is um, that they ended up uh, as a top 10 defensive team. Um, and that's not something that I would have pegged. The Nets would have easily done, but they ended up with the um, kind of the, the number four uh, defense in the league in terms of uh, opponents effective field goal percentage, um, which signals that they are, you know, having people take the right shots. Um, they also ended up with the league's lowest turnover turnover percentage. They forced the least turnovers in the league, which kind of tells you a little bit about their defensive scheme, um, that they're playing a little bit more conservatively, a little bit safer, but they're really forcing their opponents to take the wrong shots. And, you know, that signals, I think, the the framework for a defense when you begin to add in the offensive firepower of a Kevin Durant um, that could make Brooklyn a really dangerous team next year this year it'll it, it there'll be a cakewalk in this round I, i'd be i'd be very surprised if, if if they made too much noise uh they just I, I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to do it yep no i agree completely so yeah um the last yeah. pick would the clippers get any choice since they're already locked into the trailblazers and the maverick right they have to pick from tier two and I think the Clippers would rather face the Heat than any of those other teams. So the Los Angeles Clippers face the Miami Heat. So 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 let's we've got we've now got this group locked down. So we've got a few teams to talk about here. Um, this is a tough group. So you've got the Los Angeles Clippers, the Miami Heat, the Houston Rockets, the Dallas Mavericks, Portland Trailblazers. Yep. So tell me a little bit first. Tell me a little bit about why you select the Heat over the Celtics, Nuggets, or Jazz. So the Celtics have a combination of wing players that should scare almost anyone, with Jalen Brown and Tatum, and even Gordon Hayward looking much better, um, and Kemba Walker. Like that group can score on anybody, and having four scores on the court wouldn't scare me that much of the Clippers. I mean, the Clippers drew the Celtics. I think they'd be fine. Whereas the Heat, they've got some outside shooters and Jimmy Butler. And they're like, okay, fine. Yeah, we can handle Jimmy Butler. He doesn't scare us. Um, so maybe they should have picked the Celtics over that. Um, whereas the Nuggets, um, you know, it depends on... I haven't seen any training footage of Jokic, right? If Jokic is, you know, I've been eating Arby's every day, Jokic then, oh, you would love to face the Nuggets. But if he's been working out with his brothers, um, they're a scary team. And the Jazz never quite clicked this season with the introduction of Conley. He looked a little old, but Conley will be better rested. And they're a team with a lot of defense, um, especially with Gobert manning the post. And I think a defensive scheme where you can funnel someone in would just be a little bit more consistent. And after all the rust, I'd be a little bit more worried about facing them. 
Yeah, you know, I, I, I think there's there's a lot to dive into here, but let's, you know, of course, start with uh, the team you picked on the Miami Heat. Um, I'm an unabashed Miami Heat fan, uh, and, you know, it's a, it's a really interesting team this year because they are relying on a lot of really young players in their rotation. Uh, their starting point guard is Kendrick Nunn, a rookie. Um, they have Duncan Robinson, um, who, uh, who they – basically picked up off the trash heap um, who's 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 starting for at small forward for them um, and is perhaps the best three-point shooter in the league or at least uh, very close to that um, uh, which is you know kind of a complete and total surprise um, and and you know they will probably get a healthy Tyler Hero back who's probably about their seventh seventh or eighth man in their rotation um, and they're also integrating some new pieces that they got from the trade deadline uh, Andre Guadala, Jay Crowder um, you know, I, I think that the Heat were a team that performed a little bit poorly in the second half of the season, or I don't know if it's a full half of the season after the All-Star break. Um, but I think it's a solid pick because of that. I think that there's a lot of new pieces. There's a lot of pieces they were integrating. Um, and I don't think they ever completely found their rhythm that they had early on. Uh, but with that said, um, the amount of young talent on this team is really, really exciting. Bam Adebayo had just yep. a tremendous All-Star season. Um, and I think could actually pose a lot of problems for the Clippers. Uh, I don't know if they have anyone that matches up particularly well with him. He'll be kind of the best interior player in the series. Um, that could create some problematic matchups. And I do think that the Miami Heat play a very unique style of defense. They're one of the few teams in the league that will throw out zone for periods of time, um, which could kind of create some uh, potential issues for the Clippers in terms of how they kind of match up um, in terms of talent. But with that said, you know, I think that the Heat are probably still a year away um, from being kind of, uh, you know, having their talent develop uh, into uh, a threat to one of these tier one teams. So I think it's a it's a, it's a very good pick. Um, but let's look towards the bottom half of that. You now are stuck with the Dallas Mavericks and you're stuck with the Portland Trailblazers. So that those are that's the tier four and tier five teams that now because all the three other teams have been picked in those tiers, the Clippers are stuck with. Um, let's start with the Dallas Mavericks. How happy are you to have the Dallas Mavericks as your tier four team? Again, it's it sort of the Mavericks are similar to the Rockets, only you know it, it's Luka Doncic's team, and I'm not happy. Right, he's clearly the most talented player in that tier four. On the other hand, when I've got two elite defenders, fine, let's do it. Like people are going to tune in to see it. Like how often can he score, and what does he have to pass out of? Um, yeah, I mean, Luca's season was remarkable, and to think that he's only 20 years old, um, it, it just shows a, a stunning amount of development and growth. And you sort of wonder when he hits his peak in about six years, how good could he be? Yeah, and you know, again, uh, for context, Dallas had the number one offense in the league this season, and it wasn't really close. So on a points per possession basis, um, and again. The numbers and data I'm using here are from cleaning the glass. Um, so thanks to Ben Falk for the data. Um, the, you know, the, the, the number two team in the league in terms of offense is the Los Angeles Clippers at 113.7 uh, points uh, per 100 possessions. The number one team is Dallas, and they have a full three points per, possession, per 100 possessions higher at 116.7. Uh, and for context, the gap there is close to the gap that there is between the number two team in the Los Angeles Clippers and about, I would say, the number uh, 
18 or 19 team in the league. So the gap between one and two is the same between between the gap between two and 18 or 19. So just to give you a sense of how good Dallas's offense was this year, and that's all powered by Luca um, and, and and really his his complete brilliance in his sophomore season. Um, of course, the reason that Dallas wasn't the best team in the league with a great offense like that is that their defense was uh, was pretty poor, ranked 17th in the league. And so that's kind of the dynamic you get with Dallas. But um, still, to have such a potent offense um, a, a, as a Tier 4 team in this type of uh, system, um, they, they could be really dangerous. Yeah, no, absolutely. When Porzingis is your you know, second-best player, you're going to be good. But you know, they're not all that experienced, so less worried about them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what about, yeah. What about the trailblazers then? You know, if we're talking about experience, you know, this is a team that, uh, that was in the conference finals um, and has Damian Lillard on the team who, uh, you know, while he probably doesn't hit the level of Kawhi Leonard um, still is, you know, a top 10 player in the game. No, And he's a fantastic captain and they lack a lot of talent this year, right? They've gradually had like, they've drafted well, but people have left and they're really, very focused on Lillard and McCollum more so than past years. Um, as a Heat fan, I know you'll be stunned to learn that Whiteside really had an inconsistent season. Some games where he showed flashes <laughs> and some games where he didn't do much. He still managed to grab, you know, about 14 rebounds a game. Um, but when you're pulling Carmelo Anthony out of involuntary retirement to play power forward for you, that's not a great sign, right? And you've got a 34-year-old Trevor yeah. Ariza routing out your top five like and Rodney Hood who at age 27 just never really realized the um, flashes he showed um, early in his career like I I think the only hope that the Trailblazers would have in a series like this is that Nurkic can come back healthy and would smash them into oblivion um and I don't think that's likely to happen. I think, again, like if you've got a big guy who hasn't trained, you're not going to say, oh, well, you've got two weeks of training camp and quarantine now back into playoff basketball. So, Well, you know, I, I, I do think it's worth spending just a second to, to give a shout out to Damian Lillard um, and his season this year because he has been absolutely phenomenal for this team. He's actually the league leader in minutes played per game at 36.9 minutes, which, which for context means that every very few players are playing uh, high minutes uh, this season. Um, but he's shooting um, 39.5% from three, uh, taking about 10 threes a game. Um, he's averaging uh, 28.9 points, so basically 29 points a game and 7.8 assists a game. Um, so he's he's basically doing it all for this team, uh, shooting about eighty nine percent or so uh, from the free throw line. And getting there eight um, times he, a game. Yeah, he's he's been just having an absolutely phenomenal season leading this team. Uh, definitely his best season in the league. Um, and you know, I I, I I I do think it's worth you know kind of pointing out that he's he's an, another player because of where he plays um, that I think often gets overlooked when we're talking about some of the best players in the league. He's definitely in that category. Um, and so with that group, uh, the Clippers group, you've got the, you know, the Clippers, the Heat, the Rockets, the Mavericks, the Trailblazers, um, you know, you arguably have, you know, some of, you know, per- perhaps 
close to half of the top 10 to 12 players in the league in that one uh, group. So that's going to be, that that's going to be a lot of fun. Every, every game's going to be appointment viewing there. Um, but yeah, we're, 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 we're a little over halfway there now, now that we've kind of, uh, you know, drafted through the first two rounds. So I think that means it's time for the advertisement, Ryan. I mean, we have to somehow make a living here. Yeah, no, we, we definitely, and our, our most loyal sponsor is back. And even though staying in place orders and closing stores means that many people are not getting the grooming they need, people's hair is right. I bet your beard is a lot thicker than it used to be. It's looking great. Yeah. Well, Harry's Undies is here for you during the pandemic to make sure that your gonad garden of the groin remains gorgeous. Their German-engineered blades are sewn into form-fitting briefs to ensure precision shaving of your pubic podium during the pandemic. And since the blades are stainless steel, Harry's Undies are machine washable. So you could throw these um, masthead machetes into the washing machine with your face masks to keep every seat sanitary. Go to Harry's Undies right now and use the promo code BASKETBALL to get $20 off your first order. Harry's Undies, shine the spotlight on your shaved shaft. <laughs> so I think we're back with uh, the Bucks. Who We're back with the Bucks. And you seem determined as their GM to make sure no one watches a single Bucks game ever. Next thing you know, you're going to be drafted we're- to the Jazz or something. We're gonna we're gonna end up, but we're gonna have all the uh, the true TV and uh, NBA TV <laughs> games. Um, yeah. So 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 for to recap, the Bucks in their group so far have the Orlando Magic, the Sacramento Kings, and listen, if I'm the GM of the Bucks, my concern is not to be the Showtime Lakers. My concern is how can I best position Giannis Antetokounmpo to hoist the NBA Finals trophy. Um, in September, assuming that's when we have uh, uh, the finals. So which um, small market so, team are you picking, Brian? So, so of all the small market teams, um, you know, I, I actually think I'm going to uh, dip into tier two here and go with the Utah Jazz. Um, we have three teams left in tier two, the Celtics, the Nuggets, the Jazz. And the reason I think that one of the reasons I'm picking the Jazz uh, is actually something maybe people um, haven't been following as closely, uh, but a pretty important player for the Jazz, Boyan Bogdanovich, um, who had traveled around, uh, was was uh, on the Wizards for a bit, had a real, really strong season last year for the Pacers, uh, and signed a big contract with the Jazz, uh, decided to have uh, surgery um, uh, and actually will miss the playoffs. Um, and Bogdanovich was a pretty important player for them, an important scorer for that team. Um, and as much as hype as the team had coming into the season, um, you know, I think that they were pretty reliant on, you know, kind of having Bogdanovich, uh, provide, uh, that three point shooting, uh, and, and a little bit of that scoring ability there. So, yeah, he was um, their second leading scorer. So his, yeah, him being out is a huge loss to them, right? I mean, we have someone yeah. who's shooting you know 40 uh was it 40 50 90 i mean he was pretty close to that um he he had a he had a really a, a, again a, a sneaky good season um so you know i i think that they're you know the the celtics and the nuggets um have their own um their own challenges that they would pose uh, i feel like picking the jazz here you know really you're forcing a team that has not shown the the level of i think chemistry um that we had anticipated prior to the season uh to really step up in a significant way 
And, you know, listen, when you're picking a tier two team, you know, they've, they've got the talent to, to do something really special. Um, Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, uh, and Mike Connolly, um, you know, as a, as a one, two, three punch. I mean, that's, that's really impressive. But, you know, when you take away 20.2 points a game in Bogdanovich, uh, I, I think it's going to I think it's going to make it a really tough road ahead for the Jazz. So for that reason, um, the Bucks are trying to, you know, basically outclass uh, the Utah Jazz there. Yep. Oh, that, that's a great pick. Um, so the Lakers, having already made appointment viewing for their lower tier teams are going to play it a little bit safer this time and pick the Indiana Pacers. So we, so, so I guess a big question mark here. And, and to be honest, I don't know what the answer is, uh, is how, how good does Victor Oladipo look? Is he healthier? Is he more in rhythm or at least relative to the rest of the league more in rhythm than he was when he had come back from injury previously? Well, relative to the rest of the league, he must be a much better rhythm, right? I mean, because yeah. everyone else came down to his level, not because he automatically got better. Um, yes. Yeah. I mean, so this is a team which, you know, they're solid throughout, right? I mean, they had TJ Warren mm-hmm. put together a really solid team. Demo- um, Sabonis, you know, did what they asked him to and scored about 18 points a game. Brogdon didn't really make the leap people anticipated from the Bucks, but he shot well. Um, well, at least not from three-point range, but he shot well from the floor and the free-throw line. I'm assuming the three-point, I'd still not leave him open from the three-point line. And, you know, Oladipo only came back for those last few games of the season, and he looked like a shadow of his former self. Right? So, I don't think they have anyone who will slow down Davis or James, for that matter. Um, mm-hmm. They got by based on a really sound team defensive strategy. And I, I think they're the most vanilla group, right? So LeBron James will say, okay, we've got two other killer teams in this group. Let's, um, let's take them, right? I mean, look at the group now with the Lakers, Pacers, Grizzlies, and Pelicans. Like, I think a lot of people would pick the Pelicans to advance over the Pacers. Yeah, and, and, you know, I think that one thing I look for in the playoffs in particular is, and, and, and you know, this may not hold this year, but we'll see, is uh, can a team get to the line, right? Do you have the players who can generate offense by getting to the free throw line? Because we all know that, you know, defenses tighten up um, during the playoffs and, and it's small things, right? People are a little bit more attentive on, you know, kind of weak side help, uh, you know, their rotations, different things like that. And so a lot of those easier buckets that you might've relied on earlier in the season um, go away. And in that type of environment, getting to the line is particularly important because it is, you know, very consistent offense. Indiana is the second worst team in the entire league at getting to the line. Their free throw rate uh, is 29th in the league. And so I, you know, they're the, I, I love this pick. I think um, it really shows that Indiana is going to have a lot of trouble scoring um, against an elite Lakers defense. Um, and if they can't get to the line, which, you know, really outside of Victor Oladipo, if he's healthy, they just don't have any players who can put pressure on the defense where they would need to foul. Um, you know, I, I see Indiana being a really good matchup for the Lakers for that reason. So I think you're on the clock now with the Toronto Raptors. 
Yeah, the Toronto Raptors. Um, and, you know, there's there's basically two choices left. Um, there's I can go into tier two and choose from the Celtics or the Nuggets, or I can go into tier three and choose from the Thunder or the Sixers. Um, and this might be a little bit controversial, but I'm going to go into tier two and I'm going to I'm going to pick the Denver Nuggets here. Oh, wow. So you think that we're going to get fat out of shape, Jokic? Yeah, you know, um, there's there's a lot of reasons for going in here. But I, but I will say that the Boston Celtics, um, the Boston Celtics, I think, profile similarly in terms of their strength in, to the Toronto Raptors. I think that they're, the, the Celtics are, are, are closer to Tier 1.5 than Tier 2. Um, and you know, I, if I, if I'm the Raptors and frankly, if I'm any other team in tier one, um, I'm worried that you've got, you've got like that in three years, we're going to look back and say, you had Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, and, you know, uh, kind of, uh, in, in their, you know, up and coming prime on the same team, locking, you know, the wing players down on the opposing team. I, I think they can, uh, present, pretty big matchup challenges uh, for, for the Toronto Raptors, um, you know, or and for I, any and, team really. So, yeah. And I, and I wonder, you know, like, right. How, you know, how does the rest off the rest affect everyone? Um, is that the type of thing that, you know, helps or hurts a player like Gordon Hayward? Um, who's, who's a really, I think a, a, a really important player for the Celtics to, to hit their ceiling. Um, you know, I, 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 I love, you know, with the Celtics having uh, a floor general like Kemba Walker, um, who can can come in and, and generate a lot of offense. Now, you know, I, I I'm not sure if Toronto is going to be able to throw the bigger uh, defenders at, at the point guard position to really bother Kemba. Kyle Lowry is one of the best defenders at that position in the league. But his lack of length, I think, um, makes him, uh, you know, I, I think length is what I've seen bother Kemba Walker in many instances when he's not able to get a shot off that easily. Um, so I think that, um, you know, for, for, for a number of different reasons, that matchup isn't necessarily uh, going to, you know, be advantageous for the Raptors. You look at the Denver Nuggets, and, and I see an unproven team here. Um, I love Jokic as a regular season player, and he performed pretty well in the playoffs last year. Um, but you're really putting a lot of pressure on guys like Jamal Murray um, to, to really kind of take it up a notch. I think that the team in this season was um, reliant, and, I, and I'd probably say a little overly reliant on, on, on Will Barton to produce. Um, you know, Paul Millsap's only getting about 24 minutes a game now. Um, and, yeah, you know, he didn't he, look right all season. He, yeah, that, and, and I don't know if that's something that's fixed by the time off or not. Um, but you're, you know, you, you've got guys like Gary Harris who just really underperformed. I mean, you know, for context, Gary Harris clocked in with a PER under 10. Uh, 15 is 15 is average, so under 10 is, is quite bad. Um, so you're really, you know, yes, you have Jokic, who's, you know, again, probably one of the top 10 or so players in the league. Um, but after that, you've got a lot of guys who are underperforming or unproven and, um, and just based on the strength of, you know, a little bit of that chemistry and, and Jokic's leadership, 
you know, they ended up with a 43 and 22 record. Um, but I think that they present a lot less of a challenge than the Celtics. And so for that reason, um, uh, we're going to put the jazz uh, in the cat in the camp with the bucks. And that means for the Lakers, you automatically get the Celtics making for just some epic television. Yeah. We got some big markets and we get to watch uh, Jalen Brown try to slow down LeBron James. Um, I mean, I don't know who else you'd throw at him. I mean, like Gordon Hayward can try. Um, yeah. And meanwhile, I'm not sure who the Lakers really have to slow down Kemba Walker. So there could be a lot of late game heroics there that are definitely worth watching. I, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I, I think there will be a lot of Jason Tatum, LeBron James, um, uh, you know, kind of matched up on each other, um, you know, as we get towards the end of games. And, and I do think that, you know, Jason Tatum, if you, if you, if you look at the stats, he's taken a little bit of a mini leap this year. Um, he's ascending from, you know, promising young player to uh, a true star in this league. And, uh, you know, I think that you, you cycle back two years to when the Celtics made a surprising run um, to the Eastern Conference Finals. Um, Jason Tatum, in many ways, as a rookie, went toe to toe with LeBron James, um, and I'm not saying he he stood there for too long. He <laughs> he got up toe to toe for for a hot second, and then uh, and then had to you know go back to his corner. Um, but you know, this is someone who I think is very aware that you know he's got a real shot and a real opportunity to make a name for himself. Um, and you know, going after the king is 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 one way to do that. So I, 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 which I actually, I, I think that works against him. I, I think that his desire to prove himself, where the only chance the Lakers, the Celtics would have in this series is let's spread the ball around. We've got more shooters at more positions than the Lakers do. Um, so let's try to do that. Whereas LeBron James isn't trying to prove anything, right? He knows that as long as we win. Um, in advance, I'm good. So let me pass off to Dwight Howard. I don't need to go one on one against anyone. Yeah, it's um, <clears throat> I mean, it's really important for uh, you know, uh, I think teams to find that that balance and that rhythm. But you know, he, I mean, again, Tatum, it you know, averaged twenty three point six points a game uh, this year, and so while he's not the shot creator, perhaps that that um, you know, some of these other elite players are. Uh, you know, he's already kind of pushing um, almost 40 percent um, on on threes. He's he's becoming an elite wing scorer in the league um, and also, you know, getting seven rebounds a game. Uh, I, you know, I don't think we should overlook that, uh, especially on a team that doesn't play with um, a traditionally dominant um, center. Uh, you know, I, I think that their uh, big man rotation has been um, competent uh, is probably the way to put it. Um, but not something that, you know, you can uh, necessarily point to as a strength on the team. So getting rebounding from your three uh, in your wings is, is critically important. And I think both Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum have, have taken on that role um, and, and have done pretty, pretty well in that. So um, they're going to be good. They're going to be good in the playoffs. I am really looking forward to seeing uh, if that were the matchup. Uh, that group, which uh, is now completely locked in. It's the Lakers, the Celtics, the Pacers, the Grizzlies, and the Pelicans. Basically, I feel bad for the Pacers. I mean, like, (laughs) because, I mean, the Lakers, I think, are the clear favorites to lead that group. 
and maybe you put the Celtics next, but if the Pelicans came out of it, no one would be stunned. Like that is a solid group. Yeah, I'll, you know, I I will be stunned. I will be stunned if the Pelicans come out of that group. Um, because because I do think that the Celtics are are that good. Um, and it would be really shocking for me to see them them fall down. Um uh, but you know what? Listen, that's that's what the fun of this group stage format is. You've got eight games and you know the ball bounces a few ways. Uh, we could see some really surprising results. So yeah. uh, with that said, we Last... have one more pick on the board, and um, that's going to the Toronto Raptors. So the Toronto so Raptors, what's it gonna be? yeah, they get to choose whether they want to face the Oklahoma City Thunder or the Philadelphia 76ers. And I think we're going to go have to go with the Oklahoma City Thunder here. It's, it, it's actually closer than people think. Um, I, I actually feel like Philadelphia is still overrated. I think a lot of folks look at the top end talent and assume Philadelphia, you know, should be better than, than they are. And they, and, and they probably should be. Um, but the pieces didn't fit this year. Um, you know, at, kind of getting rid of a player uh, like Jimmy Butler, who's, you know, let's, let's ballpark it as he's the top 15 player in the league um, and replacing him with Josh Richardson, um, who, uh, who is a solid player, but never really found his, I, I don't think ever really uh, fit in perfectly with, uh, with the Sixers this year. Um, it, it just hasn't gone great. Um, they have a, uh, a, a very good defense. They're they're the sixth best defense in the league, um, and a league average offense, um, about sixteenth or so. So their inability to generate consistent offense has been a bugaboo for them in years past. And you know, frankly, they they haven't really improved that much on that side of the ball. Um, and they've lost their best shot creator in Jimmy Butler in a playoff setting. So I actually think. You know, we're 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 giving them a lot of credit for individual talent. And I think we just keep overlooking team performance as an indicator here. I think they're not as strong as people make them out to be. But with that said, um, you know, you still are going into a situation as the Raptors where Joel Embiid would instantly be the best player in that series on, on you know, kind of as an offensive and defensive player um, going against the Thunder. You end up in a situation where you actually have a team. Um, that has some level of a similar blueprint in, in many ways. Um, the, the Thunder are much more reliant on their guard play um, between Chris Paul, Shea Gil- Gilgis-Alexander, um, Dennis Schroeder, um, you know, and, and getting contributions um, there. I, I, I think that you know, there's certainly things to worry about. The Thunder ended up at 40 and 24, uh, severely outperforming expectations across the league. Um, nevertheless, it's, it's a team that, uh, you know, are they going to be able to match, um, you know, match up with a Pascal Siakam really well? I'm not sure if you have the wings on, um, on the Thunder that are going to be able to match up well, uh, in in that series. So I, I feel a little bit more confident in going against the Thunder than the Sixers, uh, if I'm the Raptors. Yeah, no, I think that was a solid pick. I'd be, I think you're absolutely right about matchups because um, the Sixers have a lot of front court depth, but the guard play, I mean, Ben Simmons is a great point guard in one sense, but he's not going to provide outside shooting. Whereas the Thunder 
provide a lot of outside shooting um, with like Chris Paul and Gallinari and Shea Gilgis, Alexander. But, um, and they've even got some post play with uh, Adams, who's an absolute beast under the basket. But they don't have, their wings are kind of weak. Like Gallinari is not going to scare anyone with his defense. So I, I think that'd be a good matchup for the Raptors. Yeah. And for the Bucks, getting a chance to see the matchup that everyone wanted to see last year would be a lot of fun. Yeah, the Buck Sixers. I mean, you know, I think that the there's it will be a very competitive two games that those two teams play. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing that um, in a in a group that otherwise is uh, is made for uh, for whatever the whatever the most random channel on television is. That's the one that we're going to end up seeing all those Bucks games on. Um, but getting getting uh, Giannis and Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons on the court, um, there's there's a little, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what bad blood is anymore in, in the modern NBA, uh, but there's a little bit of bad blood there. Yeah. Um, and if I'm the Sixers, I'm pretty psyched about how things shook out because I'm right. I mean, the Bucks are obviously a, a tough matchup for anyone, but as you pointed out, jazz are a little bit banged up and Rudy Gobert um, has the size to deal with MB. And that might scare me a little bit. But Conley is going to struggle to stay in front of Simmons. And then I've got more or less four free wins between the Magic and Kings. So that's all things, you know, for a team that underperformed all year, they'll have some games to figure it out and try to make it to the round of eight. So this has been a ton of fun. Um, you know, it's, it's really, uh, I, I hope the NBA does this in some way, shape, or form. You know, they could do a random draw, they can do, um, you know, kind of a, a, a you know, with the, with the tiers, they can certainly do some level of a draft. Um, and, you know, I, I think the one thing we haven't talked about as much, but I think you've got to be cognizant of is, you know, the second you have a team pick someone else, um, there's instant bad blood there. Uh, instant bad blood. It, it, it really reads as a sign of disrespect if that's the team that you're picking. And so, um, you know, in a, in a situation where that team's playing a tier one team in two games, um, you know, do you think that this actually could, you know, tilt, a, you know, an Orlando Magic or a Sacramento Kings to, to, you know, kind of performing better against a team like the Milwaukee Bucks? I mean, to an extent, right? I mean, like, it's only so good that I mean, if the Orlando Magic had that gear in them, they wouldn't be stuck in NBA territory. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I think more to the point, you'll actually see much more competition amongst the top teams, right? The notion that the Jazz like were picked by the Bucks is like, oh, you want a piece of this? Okay, it's on, right? And let Rudy Gobert try to dunk everything on Giannis. I mean, that could be a lot of fun, or Brooke Lopez, or Robin Lopez, or whichever Lopez brother that the uh, Bucks throw at him. Yeah, uh, it, it would be a lot of fun. And, you know, I, again, I think we really end up in a situation where um, each game is appointment viewing. And, you know, that that is what, as the NBA, you're looking for, right? You're looking for how are we generating a lot of interest in that first round? Um, and you end up with a group like the Clippers, Heat, Rockets, Mavericks, Trailblazers, uh, or you end up with a group with the Lakers, the Celtics, and, you know, the Grizzlies, Pelicans, and Pacers, um, you're going to have appointment viewing games. So uh, so we certainly hope that this is where the NBA decides to go, uh, as opposed to watching 
Uh, the Bucks um, slammed the Magic four times in a row. Uh, but we'll see. We've, uh, I think on Friday, there's a Board of Governors um, uh, meeting where Adam Silver is supposed to put some proposals uh, formally to the league. And, uh, and this could be it. And if this is it, I think you've just got a little bit of a preview of, uh, of what this could look like and hopefully how much fun it would be. They won't do it, but I would love it if they did. It <laughs> would justify your subscription to NBA League Pass on its own. Awesome. Fantastic. Well, um, we're, we're, we're at the end of our show today. Um, uh, as we always like to do on this podcast, we, we want to make sure that we have a chance to, to shout out some, uh, some of our favorite charities um, because, you know, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of turmoil in the world right now. Um, want to maybe give you a few recommendations if you're looking at, you know, who should I be um, supporting? Um, you know, I have a little bit of extra income right now. Who, where should that go to make this world a better place? Um, so we'll start balding. Yeah, David, I do you have uh, something you want to share with people? Option. Food pantries have very low overhead and the money is going to food, which goes directly to families that are in need. And when you have unemployment, which is going to be approaching 25%, I, I can't think of anything more important and you can feel good about keeping the money in the community. So I donate to the Northern Indiana food pantry in Southern Indiana and fill abundance in Philadelphia. Um, and I feel good every time I write that check, you should feel good too. Yeah. And uh, I'm going to stay in the same theme uh, of food. Uh, and I just want to give a shout out to world central kitchen. Um, you may have heard or seen them, uh, they are the organization that has the front man of Jose Andres that has been um, doing incredible work for quite a while now, uh, feeding individuals in kind of disaster situations. And I think a lot of it uh, really ramped up with, around Hurricane Maria um, uh, and, uh, and, you know, kind of the hurricane that hit um, Houston. But we're, what we're really seeing right now is an organization evolving and responding to scale uh, for, for, uh, as you pointed out, uh, just a real um, unprecedented situation. Um, so World Central Kitchen is doing incredible work there. Um, I, I know uh, Jose just a little bit. I know uh, a lot of other folks with World Central Kitchen and they're first class people. Um, they're out there on the front lines, um, you know, kind of making sure that people have uh, food to eat. And so if you have a chance um, and want to throw a few bucks their way, uh, it's a great organization to support. So um, hopefully that gives you uh, kind of a little bit um, uh, some some good yeah, recommendations. Uh, and now Gary let's go Sloan to our uh, shout outs. Uh, he gave me a lot of good memories through the '90s, and I respected the hell and watched like watching his teams play. Yeah, rest in peace, Jerry Sloan. Um, I'll, I'll give a shout out to uh, the Last Dance documentary. Um, I, as as NBA fans, I, we were all craving content, and uh, and and we don't need to go into the veracity of every. Uh, every way the documentary was filmed. Uh, I'm not going to nitpick this or that. It was a lot of fun. It was just, it was really fun to kind of relive the nineties again. Um, so, so uh, for the first time, potentially ever, I'm saying a big thank you to Michael Jordan uh, for, for, for green lighting that. Um, it, was, uh, it was, it was, it was the content we needed. And giving all opponents PTSD after all these years. Great. You know what? You know what? Um, listen, it was, I mean, just, you know, getting to yeah, even it, just diving into those games, remembering the shots, the plays, 
um, the drama. It was it was a lot of fun. And honestly, you know, I, there were a lot of stuff, especially in the earlier episodes um, about Jordan coming up in the 80s. Uh, things that I, you know, I think a lot of NBA fans, including myself, uh, didn't weren't as familiar with, um, maybe more familiar with kind of his peak in the 90s, less about, yeah, um, you know, kind of his um, uh, like his coming up in the league in the 80s. Everyone wearing masks. Keep your uh, uh, spit to yourself. And uh, yeah, keep on doing it. Yeah. Amen. Um, I'd like to give a shout out to, um, to, 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 you know, families just in general. Um, you know, I think that uh, now more than ever, you know, we're there, there are things you take for granted when you um, kind of have access to it, whatever you want. And the second you have travel restricted and everything like that, I think a lot of us have been more reliant than ever on connecting with family members in, in different ways. And so, um, you know, I think uh, that's one yeah, thing that we can all appreciate a little bit more in this pandemic. Help me pick board games, keep my family sane over the last three months in Berlin. And I really appreciate that. <laughs> board games. Uh, we're living in the middle of a board game revolution. People get some board games. Now is a great time to play them. Um, and, uh, you know, and I'll give my, uh, my final shout out to Adam Silver. Um, you know, I think that one sentiment that's coming out of the discussions that are happening right now in the league is that Adam Silver wants to try something new, right? He sees this as a time for experimentation and it is just such a contrast with, uh, the commissioners of basically every other sports league, um, where, they are intent on protecting the status quo and silver sees innovation as the way to move the sport forward. And so, um, you know, I, I just, you know, whether we end up with a group stage proposal or not, I do think it's worth recognizing that we've got an incredible leader running the NBA right now. Um, and, uh, and I certainly hope that the uh, decision will be made to implement this group stage. Maybe it will be a draft format. Maybe it will be something like what you've heard today on uh, balding and bearded on basketball. So those are our shout outs for today. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you and, for listening. And that, that, that's about a wrap. He's bearded. No, wait, I'm balding. Oh no. Yeah. You're balding. I'm bearded. You know, it's, it, listen, we're, I'm probably balding. You might be bearded right now. Who knows? It's a global pandemic. Uh, but this is, uh, this is balding and bearded on basketball. Thank you for joining us today. 